Welcome to Paid in Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we're talking about Adrian Lyne's 1987 thriller Fatal Attraction, starring Glenn Close and Ann Archer. And I guess a little bit Michael Douglas. <laughs> uh, I know this is not exactly like a female-driven film, but we do see a lot of Alex by herself. Yeah, I feel like it counts. Yeah, we're making it count because we really want to talk about this movie. But anyways, Fatal Attraction tells the story of a man, Barf, named Dan, <laughs> who has one night stand. Wow. You're getting paid in puke day. The story of a man named Dan who has a one night stand. With- <laughs> <laughs> with an editor named Alex <laughs> who he meets through work but afterwards she wants to keep seeing him and uh, he finds that soup's inconvenient <laughs> and things escalate from there a look that led to an evening we were attracted to each other at the party that was obvious you're on your own for the night that's also obvious a mistake he'd regret all his life now where's your wife here with a strange girl being a naughty boy. I don't think having dinner with anybody's a crime. I've got to see you. This is going to stop. No, it's not going to stop. It's going to go on and on. She keeps calling the apartment. Hello? Every time Beth answers the phone, she hangs up. I'm scared, Jimmy. You play fair with me? Do you have an affair with her? I'll play fair with you. I don't want to lose my family. Why could you do that? You're scared of me, are you? You're afraid. If you ever come near my family again, I'll kill you, you understand? Daddy! I'm not gonna be ignored! Alicia, where's Ellen? She's gone. Call the police! Whatever resentment she's feeling, she's probably got it out of her system. What if she didn't get it out of her system? What then? Fatal attraction. I guess you thought you'd get away with it. Well... You can't. <laughs> this was written by James Dearden based on his own short film called Diversion. Oh. <laughs> I feel like in 87 they weren't really turning short films into features yeah. that much, but there's a lot of interesting stuff behind the scenes on this. This was a huge, huge hit. Yeah. This movie made $320 million oh. at the box office. It was number one for eight weeks. That's a huge deal in 1987. Yeah. The other interesting thing about when they were casting this movie, besides they considered pretty much every actress in Hollywood for the part, was that they didn't want to cast Glenn Close because they couldn't imagine her being sexy enough. I mean, fair. I don't think she's especially hot or anything, you know. I, actually, I don't know. I meant this kind of, a question mark, Glenn Close sex pot. <laughs> 
I feel like that was a valid concern. I mean, I feel like she does a good job in this, but I don't think she's especially, like, great-looking, sexy woman. Yeah, and I I had read something similar, like, she wanted to have, like, a sexy role. She really wanted this part. She really wanted it. I don't know what she had done before then. All I think of was, like, the big chill. Well, was this after Dangerous Liaisons? No, she got Dangerous Liaisons after that, which is also, like, another sexy... I have some issues with the movie, but, like... (laughs) Some issues. <laughs> a lot of issues with the movie, but she did the old noir femme fatale. Her character is very alluring to him, and I guess that's what they call like fatal attraction is like whatever draws you to someone also becomes your downfall or something. Is it a clinical term or something? That is a term. In the noir, like femme fatale, oh, mm-hmm. that's kind of what happens. These alluring beautiful mysterious women become the man's downfall who else did they consider for this well there was like this huge long list on imdb that's people they considered but people who actually auditioned were sharon stone elizabeth shue who seems way too young gilda radner what (laughs) and emma thompson wow yeah so they were kind of like they didn't have any idea what they were looking for it seems like they were just like whatever let's see every woman in hollywood and Make a decision. And she wore her hair like wild, as she put it. She just let her hair go crazy curly. And that was what made them see her as this role, which is weird. But... <laughs> yeah, <crazy laughs> yeah, that's how you could tell a woman's crazy. Oh my God. And then the other thing is that she really liked the script because originally in the script, her character kills herself at the end and then frames Dan for the murder. And that's the movie she signed on to make. And then they changed the ending after a test screening. Oh, yeah. And she didn't want to come back. She was like, I do not want to reshoot this. And Ann Archer didn't want to reshoot it either. She was like, this totally fucks up the movie, basically. They both were, like, really upset about it and didn't want to, but they had to because of their contract. But they fought it for a couple weeks. And then Michael Douglas was like, I love this. This is so fun. (laughs) I love this ending. So bad. It's yeah, terrible. It's like the wife wins or whatever. It's like they killed that crazy bitch. Now back to normal. And everything's <laughs> fine. Exactly. I, uh, I can't wave to the cops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, like he shakes the uh, cop's hand and then uh, the, the wife embraces him. Like, oh my god, god. the nightmare is over. Yes. Like, this is not just... a problem you made for us in any way. I'm so. <laughs> Right? Oh my god. There's so many ways in which he is the clear, straight-up villain of this movie. Even though it's through his perspective, which I kind of like in a way. It's just so obvious through this modern lens. But at the time, it was like, look at this hero protecting his family. Just made one little mistake. One little mistake. I've never heard anything like that before. He's just made a mistake and... This woman's trying to ruin his life. Right. And like, it was he, definitely like, like it was like your bitch is crazy. Right, exactly. He does all these fucked up things. Yes. He, he, he breaks, breaks into her, her house. house. <laughs> <laughs> she says she's pregnant. You're gonna have to deal with that, like legally. He's just like this golden guy who's about to make partner at the law firm. Yeah. Like, he's moving to the country. With he, his has wife so he has so much promise. 
much yeah. going He has so much him. life ahead of him. Do you want to ruin this man's life? Hot sex with a stranger. He just wanted to Get fuck you a bunch of times. <laughs> and we talked about this. We agreed. No, they never agreed on shit. Right. Their conversation was... Do you want to fuck right now? We're two adults. Let's go fuck. And that was the end of it. It wasn't like, and after that, we'll never see each other again. And I won't bother you. And I'll let you get on with your life. That shit was never said. But he's acting like, we talked about this. We had an understanding. The one thing I can say is he didn't, like, pretend he wasn't married, you know. Yeah, he talks about it a lot. I mean, he made a lot of assumptions. Something he thought was implied, like, that this is just a weekend fling because I'm married. But he didn't say that. Her expectations are not super reasonable. Yeah. Sometimes, but he told her he was married. That's really all he said. Yeah. He didn't talk about anything else that he seems to think they talked about. And it is established that she has a mental illness. Glenn Close took the script to psychiatrists, several different psychiatrists, to check out the validity of it. And they all said, like, this is theoretically a way a person with borderline personality disorder who had a history of molestation, uh, sexual abuse, would behave. Mm -hmm. Including the bunny boiling. Like, she was like, the bunny boiling seems a little too far. Would that really, really happen? And they said, well, if she was molested by a family member as a child, that's a way that that manifests in adults sometimes. Like, she fixates on the rabbit after she sees Dan giving the rabbit to a little girl. Right. And she... And then she she throws throws up. in the bushes. Yeah. I thought it was like, oh, she's pregnant. She's morning sickness. Yeah, I read another thing that was like, that could be like a... A trigger, a trigger yeah. of something. She's definitely got mental illness. I think the movie just doesn't really, I don't know, or maybe that was just the time, but it was just like this person's crazy and mm-hmm. we got to get rid of the crazy person. Well, they absolutely yeah. Yeah. 100% stigmatized and made light of mental illnesses in the 80s. That was just like a very prevalent theme in the 80s movies, especially with women. I think this kind of started it for women specifically, like the crazy woman scorned thing. But yeah, there were all kinds of comedies that took place in mental hospitals, like that kind of thing. I mean, they did it for a long time too. Like I still remember Girl Interrupted. (laughs) That is such a problematic portrayal of mental illness. There's this movie I had on, I don't know why I had it on VHS. I think it was called Crazy People, but it was like a... Oh, yeah. That's when you were talking about mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, talking about that because it was on Comedy Central all the time. I watched that so many times. Yeah. The people that are in the mental hospital or whatever, they start making advertising yeah. campaigns. Or... <laughs> Truth in advertising. Right, right, yeah. That was so prevalent. It really was. Shut up. Hot Probs is on. Oh, shit, Yeah. Hot probes. I mean, obviously, besides, like, the entire thing. There are some specific ones. It starts for me with, oh, no, his wife won't fuck him one time. He better go have an affair. Because that's very clearly, like, that scene right before they go out of town. And it's like, I'm going out of town tomorrow with our daughter. You're not coming with us. I'm tired. (laughs) Like, I just don't want to fuck tonight. And he kind of, like, looks at her. and Like, she's brought their kid, Ellen, into the bed. And he's just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, kid cock blocking is like a marital issue, but you know, that doesn't mean 
you can't fuck another time. <laughs> like, right. just get over it. I felt like they were showing these moments of him being a husband and a father and it was an inconvenience to him. Like, he's, like, fumbling, like, trying to get the dog and the kid in the car. Yeah, like, and, like, it's such a drag. Like, I know. such a drag having to be this, you know, no wonder he's bored. Or, having to do know. anything. Like, like, I know. He's the provider. He <laughs> works. Like, he's given her so much and he's like, gosh. I know. Fuck the the man, least she could do is fuck him. His <laughs> like, amazing. Yeah, she's like, a babe. Yeah, and she seems like a cool person, and I just... She seems cool. Her name is Beth, by the way. I want to refer to her by her name. She does seem really cool, and there's, like, that one, another hot prop of mine, but I kind of like it from this lens of, like, we're watching this movie with this very flawed, you know, this, like, antagonist, basically. He's the villain. We're seeing this movie through his eyes. He's, like, looking at his wife while she's at the dressing table, and the way it's shot is so male gazy. It's uh-huh. ridiculous. Yeah. Right. She's, like, in her underpants. And like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I were to teach a class on the male gaze, I would 100% show that scene. And then there's, like, another scene where he's trying to get rid of Alex and, like, thinks he's gotten rid of her, and, like, he's looking at his wife and his kids. He's, like, so thankful he's, like, back right. with his... Yeah, we're supposed to see that as like a redemptive moment. Like, oh, he did just make this one mistake, but he's really a good guy who loves his family and still wants to fuck his wife. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my God. I hate Dan so much. He he thinks that he can just have it. You You can't have it all, Dan. (laughs) Why do you think you can have it all? There's consequences to my actions. What am I saying of his story? He's like talking. I apologize. I think it's very significant that he says, I apologized. I kind of feel like there's a huge difference between saying, I apologize and I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize is like, there, I did it. It's like, I apologize. Very well. Yeah. And then at one point, he says, I apologize. If you got the wrong idea, don't get me started on the apologize sorry, if thing. If, yeah. <laughs> yeah, apology, right. And he has like this sidekick best friend, oh, yeah. lawyer guy. I feel like I know him from other stuff from yeah. the 80s. Yeah, yeah. he's like in a bunch of stuff in the 80s. Place him. Yeah. I think he's also has basically the same role in um, Hand That Rocks a Cradle. Yes. And then oh. I think he was on Not Necessarily the News, like some sketch kind. He was like sort of a known person for a while. Maybe. Oh. I want to say maybe he was on like a Gary Shandling thing. Not the Larry Sanders show, but mm. he was just in a bunch of stuff. Stuart Pankin. Yeah. Pankin? Pankin? P-A-N-K-I-N. Pinkin. Yes. That scene where they're in the law library and like, <laughs> he's like confiding, like, what can I do? How can I get out of this? And his friend's like, oh, I don't know. This isn't good. Yeah. yeah. He does not give him any help. And he wants to all. hear from his friend that he has no responsibility. Oh, I know. He really does. He's like, be on my side here. Like, You're a lawyer. You should know this. Right. <laughs> like, maybe he wasn't in hand that rocks. That's another, or, like, or something like that. Movie. That's another bitches be crazy movie. Yeah, this one started other movies like that. It mm-hmm. absolutely did. Movies. Yeah. Yes. Single white female. Basic instinct. <laughs> yeah, basic instinct. Disclosure. Yeah. That's not a good movie. Yeah. Oh, he was on one episode of The Golden Girls. He played a character named Jacques de Corville. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, was in a bunch of stuff. He was in a bunch of stuff. Okay. 
But I was right. The show, the sketch comedy show, was not necessarily the news. Okay. And Gary Shanley, yeah, you're right. Oh, really? okay. And Night Court, three episodes of Night Court. <laughs> Mannequin on the move. Ooh. Oh, Mannequin. <laughs> Mannequin two on the move. Another hot prop I have is just that, like, the cop is one of my favorite characters. I know. <laughs> like, the cop is at the moral center of yeah. the Oh, my God. I love that cop so much. He's like, it sounds like you made a bed and you need to love her to your friend. Because right. yeah. he's like, I have this friend who right. blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, really? Oh, well, it sounds like your friend needs to fucking suck it up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, client wants it stopped. He just wants an end to the harassment. He's positive it was this woman who trashed the car. Yes, yes, of course. Any witnesses? No. Welcome to file a complaint and make me feel better. I mean, not a lot we can do without proof. Look, Lieutenant, this woman is completely irrational. There's no telling what she could do. You can't go around arresting people for what they might do. You know that. I'm not asking you to arrest her. He simply, he wants her warned. But what if she didn't get it out of her system? What then? You have to catch her in the end. Then we can bring charges. Well, you say he just has to sit there and take it. It's his bed. I'm afraid he's going to have to lie in it. I hated that he was a prankster. The pretending he was dead. <laughs> goofy thing I was to just do. like... Come on, you know, it's and so then, strange. but then it was kind of funny how she sort of like flipped it back on him right. and was like, my dad died. That's but real. It, it was real. Yeah, yeah, I know. That was crazy. Ten, can you hear me? Oh my God. <laughs> you bastard. Your face, your face. <laughs> That was a shitty thing to do. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was just fooling around. My father died of a heart attack. I was seven years old. It happened right in front of me. Oh, honey, I'm sorry. Really, I had no idea if I did. I never would have done anything like that. <laughs> Wait, is he, he didn't die? He's alive? <laughs> Yeah, he's alive and well and living in Phoenix. <laughs> I guess you certainly got me, didn't you? It's like somehow evidence to him, like, man, this girl is crazy. Yeah. She said he was still alive. I, because I felt awkward after she said my dad died that way. Right. And then she said, just kidding. Totally. And it was like our first date or whatever. I know. She did like the normal civil thing of like, I oh, I guess yeah, we don't want to get right. heavy. But then, ugh, no, but she was lying about her oh, past. Right. Ugh. I mean, the big problem is just like Michael Douglas is so gross and unappealing. He really Why is. is he in everything? How is he? a sex symbol he's, he's just such sexy. like a regular dude <laughs> i think maybe that was the appeal like he's like maybe like the everyman like the everyman <laughs> i mean i think people thought this could happen sexy. to any of us <laughs> you know i mean like, i feel like in basic instinct he's supposed to legit be sexy and hot and then like romancing the stone they were trying to do like a harrison ford indiana jones thing with him and right. they made two of those oh. Yeah. Like, they were really going hard on the Michael Douglas sex symbol thing. Yeah. And it's, it never worked. Never, I don't think, I mean, for me. He just became, like, the resident male lead yeah. for all these big budget movies. 
so strange. Yeah. <laughs> he's not even that good of an actor. I don't think so. He's very one note. I like the Wonder Boys. Like that's the one movie I just I really love. Like I like him in that. But yeah, he's kind of the same in everything. Let's see what else? Other hot props. Oh, some clothes. Shoulder pads. Yeah. Such a hot prop. The big blazer shoulder pad. This dress shirt under the sweater with the rolled up sleeves. <laughs> Notice how when the movie opens, everybody is wearing all white. And then like later in the movie, people are either wearing all white or all black. I mean, I noticed colors. that about her, that Alex is either like all white or all black. And her apartment is all white. It's yeah. very stark, yeah. stark white everywhere. Which is like really hard to get everything white like that. Because it seemed like everyone in the first scene was wearing all white. <laughs> what are they saying about that? Like, this is a black and white right. issue? Black and white. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, like, there's no gray in this. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, his hair, he has like zero hair continuity. That's <laughs> another hot rod for me. Like, every scene, his hair is just different. And what a dumb haircut the michael douglas haircut why was that a thing right the like middle part that's kind of feathered yeah never the same (laughs) the way to do that hair is you take a shower you part your hair in the middle hairspray hairspray comb it back wet and then go to sleep and then when you wake up in the morning it's perfect (laughs) that's what you want i have a hot problem with the the scene where alex just like picks the kid up from school It doesn't make any sense because she doesn't even do anything. She just has a day with her and then brings her home and that's it. I mean, I think that makes a little sense if she's just like kind of fucking with them. Like she knows she's not going to harm her, but it's Mm -hmm. like this is going to scare the fuck out of them. Like it's more of the I'm not going to be ignored, you know. But the whole thing, like the mom comes together and they're like, oh, I thought you already came. Yeah, it's so weird. They keep saying like, I thought you picked her up already. Like, why did you think I picked her up? I think Alicia, it was her, yeah. Alicia and Alicia does this amazing hair flip and makes the most of her three seconds on screen. Yes. <laughs> I love Alicia. Like, nothing makes any sense in that scene. It doesn't make any sense like, at we all. We just sent your kid off with some random woman we've never seen before and I guess thought it was you. Yes, at least three people specifically say you already picked her up. Right. Which is like, oh, no. Makes no sense. Oh my god. Yeah, that's really weird. The part where Dan is saying, like, I gotta go home, I gotta go back to my family, I don't think we can see each other again, and then she gets really upset, and then he's about to leave, and she's like, oh, I wanna make up with you or something, sorry. And, you know, they start making out, and, like, you see all the blood. <laughs> yeah, she's cut her and, like, wrist behind her back. She's cut her wrist. He, like, bandages her up and, like, puts her to bed. Mm-hmm. Like, no big deal, like, you're all fine now. 
go to bed. <laughs> it's like, yeah. dude, this woman is not yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, he wants to do the least amount possible because if he does anything more than that, like if he called somebody, then he'd get busted. Yeah. It's all about, like, what can I do to just make this problem go away as fast as possible? Right, yeah. Now it that just, it's a problem. In the end, too, I I thought, he goes past the point of self-defense. I think that he... <laughs> yes! He, I mean, he tries to strangle her before in her apartment, and you can really see it in his face, like, I want this bitch dead, you Yeah, know? and then he, like, purposely leaves a knife out for her after she's already tried to kill herself. Oh, God. Wow, yeah, I remember that part. <laughs> he is so horrible. But, like, you see him, like, really drowning her in the tub and you yeah. can see in his face how much he wants her dead i do I, would like appreciate that pov shot even though it's like the fucking worst ending like that pov shot of her drowning with his angry face in the tub i feel like at least at that one moment it's like garnering sympathy for her at least a little bit like right. she doesn't deserve this this is overboard <laughs> <laughs> come on guys turn it down <laughs> Places in the Sun, Montgomery clip, like... Oh, A Place in the Sun. Or A Place in the Sun, he has an affair with... I forget what her name is, but anyways, like, she's pregnant. They go on a boat trip and she drowns. And, like, it's like, oh, he gets to be with Elizabeth Taylor. (laughs) Oh, God. But the whole movie is told from this point of, like, oh, this guy just made a bad choice. You know, it's like the audience is supposed (laughs) to be rooting for this guy. I'm old enough. I saw this in the theater when... Beth says on the phone, you come near my family again, I'll kill you. People fucking cheer. This is Beth Gallagher. If you ever come near my family again, I'll kill you. You understand? And people cheered when she shoots her at the end. And he already threatened her, too. That's like the second time someone in that family has said, I will kill you. Yeah. Which is like, why does it have to go there so fast? if you tell my wife I'll kill you, it's like, well, that's not going to help. Like, if your wife knows and then you kill her. Well, apparently yeah, that is fine. Yeah. I, mean, I guess he's right, but then everything will be fine. You tell my God. wife, you're Can dead, you imagine? Everything's fine. My husband told me he had an affair, but then it's all fine because he murdered her. <laughs> so we're all good. Beth, do you have any friends that you're going to tell the story to Then maybe when you talk it out you're gonna hear it you know like so he had an affair with this woman and then okay fair she did wreak some havoc on the family and uh killing their family pet yeah that was bad yeah but you know then she came over and i ended up killing her so then we were all good and everything was fine it's been ever since then and i just wave to the cops as they drive away Like, that is, I hate the most about the ending, that it's like, Beth, come on. The family unit remains intact. Right. Beth is like the good, nice, kind, the wife. right and, kind of woman. You know, she's a great mom, and Alex is a career woman. Yes. Oh, she has a job, and right. she smokes, and she doesn't have any children, and she's not right. married. She's thirty-six. She's 36. <gasps> she goes out dancing in the middle of the night. She goes to like a spicy <laughs> club full of brown people to go dancing. Ooh. <laughs> And she lives in an industrial neighborhood, not in, like, a nice place. I just remember seeing these movies when I was a kid with New York in the backdrop, and I was just like, people do stuff and, like, go dancing in the middle of the night. I don't know. I was just always so intrigued with, like, New York. Wow, adults do things. I don't know. Yeah, they party. It's a totally different world from, like, where I grew up. She's this 
wild woman or whatever. She's she cray. <laughs> <laughs> She's great in the sack, but right. then beyond that, you don't oh, want anything to do with it. Another hot prop, the sex scene in the kitchen. <laughs> because honestly, like, and I have started to write it down because I do like, and that's something I sort of respect about Adrian Line. Like, I like when there's sex in movies. I like when sex seems hot. Like, I like when people are horny in movies. And I feel like that scene is good. And then all of a sudden, it's like, let me wet you down with some tap water. Or like, what? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he wanted to have that just be a theme, like the yeah. water scary water or sexy water. Right. <laughs> There's a lot right. of water motif and then eventually right. like when she's drowned. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or he's right. drowning her. That's not a thing where you're just fucking in the kitchen like let me wet you down. Let me get some tap water on you. <laughs> <laughs> and then they leave the sink on which kills oh. me. Uh, people who are careless with water like with running water in movies <laughs> drives me insane. <laughs> I like a passionate sex scene but then it always goes a little too far beyond the realm of real and believability in movies where it's like that wouldn't even be comfortable like what's wrong with a bed a bed is a perfectly great place <laughs> I've read something with Adrian Lyne being like sex in bed is so boring you're doing it wrong I think then I don't know yeah. he thinks it means like it's boring to shoot oh he's like here it is he says he didn't want the love scene to take place in a bed because it's so dreary <laughs> and I thought about the sink because I remembered I once had sex with a girl over a sink way back the <laughs> plates so clink around I think so well he is in my mind and you'll have a laugh <laughs> <laughs> yes, he must be. Listen to the way he says things. You always need to have a laugh in a sex scene. Listen to the way he says things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is you talking. <laughs> I'm doing a flawless Adrian Lyon impression, though. <laughs> uh, he is English. Fuck you, man. Oh. That was so bad. He is, yeah. <laughs> He's from like Peterborough, the... United Kingdom. It seems like also there's like a weird, like that subtext. Oh, the exciting woman yeah, I can have exciting I think it's sex that, with. For sure. And then there's my wife. That it's that definitely a thing of... in movies of like you have the nice vanilla sex with the nice lady, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's... Stands up for me the most. I don't know why this is my go to example, but in Jerry Maguire, he has like super hot sex with Kelly Preston. Mm. And then he has nice vanilla missionary with Renee's. Right, yeah. <laughs> that movie is such garbage. It is, yeah. <laughs> but you have to beware because women who are wild in the sack are crazy otherwise. Yeah, that's, I really like that movie, The Long Shot. I do really like the oh, yeah. scene in that where she's like, can you choke me a little bit and smack? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. she's like, just so like, this is just what I like, you know? Yeah. I really like that. I thought the I movie was pretty seen... entertaining, yeah, actually. I, I liked it way, fine. way better yeah, than I, I thought I would. I like it. it. You know, it's Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess I just super like That's both of them, so. Yeah. She's, <laughs> yeah. she's like running for president. president. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay, I saw that. I was surprised at how yeah. much I liked. And they, like, knew each other in high school or something. Yeah, something like that. But, yeah, and I like that, I don't know, I like that pairing. He's really... You love I him. love Seth Rogen. I do. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of depth that I wasn't privy to from his like earlier stuff. Person. He does. Yeah. His wife's mom has Alzheimer's and like he started Hilarity for Charity thing where he does these comedy shows. That's awesome. Alzheimer's is expensive. Very expensive. <laughs> yeah. Sherry Lansing found this story she's kind of like this paramount powerhouse producer that oh, yeah. comes up yeah. with these the indecent proposal <laughs> um, like, like all these like sensational like sex yeah, yeah. fraught with tension movies. freaky yeah. white people right, exactly. <laughs> i mean like scary sex yeah, yeah. 
interesting. And like, I was reading some article about this was at a time when like the stock market crashed that year. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, it was kind of like the beginning of the end of like the yuppiedom. I just thought it was interesting to think about what was going on in the world at that time. Yeah. And yeah. Like, well, also, I remember like around that time, another movie with hot sex scene was No Way Out. Kevin Costner. Kevin right? Costner and Sean um. It, like, opens, I think, with them, like, fucking in the back of a limo. It's, like, really hot. And then after they're done, they introduce themselves, you know? <laughs> nice. A thing I remember about that movie that has to do with, like, the time of it is that movie was delayed about a year before it came out because Kevin Costner was not known at all, but The Untouchables was coming out, and they knew mm. that was going to make him a big deal. So they released oh. it after that. I remember them saying, like, you can sort of tell because it's right when, like, the AIDS epidemic happened. And it's like, you wouldn't oh, have right. a scene like that. Right. To total strangers fucking right yeah that's because that like mm-hmm. just gonna change sex in movies there's like a lot of unprotected sex in movies all the time Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't even think of a movie like that where they show someone putting a condom on. I mean, I feel like it definitely happens, but I feel like more often movies make you think like, yeah, that's not a thing. Well, it's yeah. a fantasy, I guess. Right. <laughs> anyway, they're straight, so. Right, right. <laughs> Let's see, what else? Probably, that's, I mean, besides, there's just so many hot prods. <laughs> yeah, like the whole thing, the ending, the premise. It's just referenced in a lot of movies, too. Like, I remember, like, in Sleepless in Seattle, Tom Hanks was like, right. did you see Fatal Attraction? It scared every man in America. Mm-hmm. It scared like, every man in America? I know, scared. but that's such a fucking problematic thing I to know. say! The problematic legacy of this movie yeah. is that, like, the trope is, like, the scary woman scored. Um, statistically, who is a woman most likely to be murdered by? You know? And she like, is murdered! <laughs> How is it a cautionary like, tale when she's the one who ends up dead at the end? It's so wrong. They're looking at it so wrong. Right. There's so many other a little like this woman's crazy shorthands. Like she's doodling at one point. And it's like, oh my god, she doodles. <laughs> crazy. And then when she's sad and she's sitting on the bed crying oh, and yeah, eating like ice cream, ice chips, cream and, yeah. white wine, the whole thing. Like she's turning off that lamp. She's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and listening to Lava Wim. And then of course like that that's such a problematic opera that everyone thinks that's so romantic. Right. Ugh, fuck that. I mean, that's opera. Like, see, the thing about Sleepless in Seattle is that's such a fucked up movie, you know? Like she's fully yeah, she's stalking a stalker, him. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the irony that he's like okay. You know, yeah. Know. She's stalking him like almost more than Alex stalks. Them. I mean, she goes across the country for him, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but she's such an she adorable stalker. Right, right. She's the right kind of stalker. She just does a curve in your heart. Doesn't she like also, like she has a boyfriend, but like he like has He's allergies boring. or something? Yes, he has right? allergies. Yeah. He blows his nose Isn't it so fun? Yes. <laughs> Man. Yeah. I feel like this movie is a slap in the face to you specifically. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Also, it's really funny that like she has curly blonde hair also, but it's like tamed curly blonde hair. <laughs> like what a problematic, fun double feature that would be. This is the right way to be a crazy wow. lady. Right. I didn't know. That's amazing. <laughs> That's the mirror. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> My one Alex problem is then when she goes a little too far and she calls Dan the F word. And <laughs> oh, right. Oh, I bet you don't even like girls. Like, come on, that's not what's going on here. Come on, Alex. You're canceled. Next call. That tape that she makes him is 
Yeah, I don't know. I do like how there's so much foreshadowing. We watched it with Logan, and Logan went in totally blind. We decided to watch it, and when we went downstairs, I was like, you want to come watch Fatal Attraction with us? Yeah. It had no idea <laughs> what this movie was going to be. Knew nothing about it. I think they were like, I may have heard that. They said I've heard that before, yeah. And, oh boy, they were so worried about the bunny. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good foreshadowing. I was like, how much does Logan care about the bunny? I really hope nothing happens to that bunny. And then we were just like crickets and they were like, wait a second, the bunny's not going to be okay. But it's funny like how much like there is like spaghetti making or boiling water or when she says, I mm -hmm. love animals, I'm a great cook. Yes, like literally in the <laughs> same breath. Oh, <laughs> well, Alex, but I, I got so much work to do today. I, I can't. Why did you just come home and cook lunch? I got to take the dog for work. The poor dog is popping out of this house. Well, he does say, like, I'm gonna bring my dog and I'm hungry or something like that. It was like, yeah. it's in response to that, but it's really, yeah, obviously it foreshadowing. It pays off, like, the second time you see it. Yeah. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. <laughs> that was one because that's so fun uh i really love when ellen we haven't even talked about ellen who's great i love that little girl oh, she's terrific they meant ellen foley for a second no i do love ellen foley was, okay so ellen foley is his <laughs> best friend's Stuart Pinkett's wife, wife she's yeah. very familiar too oh right? yeah she was uh, in the first season of night court well i know her yeah. as the woman who sings like all the lady parts on meatloaf songs I'm a big fan of Bad Out of Hell, and she's on it a lot, and she's got an amazing voice. Uh, I have this, like, Bad Out of Hell live concert that she's in. She's oh just, like, God. running circles around Meatloaf. She's really that's great. Cool. She's an amazing singer. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I like when little girl Ellen says, she's, like, walking down the hall after Dan says shit. She's like, shit, 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 <laughs> shit, shit. <laughs> Little kids swearing is pretty cute and funny. He says something about, like, when they're having their sexy lunch, she's like, two adults getting together isn't a crime or something like that. And then she says, not yet. And you're here with a strange girl being a naughty boy? I don't think having dinner with anybody is a crime. Not yet. I don't know. I thought that was, like, kind of cute. And then she also says, like, I haven't made up my mind yet about I... whether we're fucking or not, which I really yeah, like. I love she... that. I like that I can't say yet. I haven't made up my mind. You just have to be discreet. And she's like, are you? Are you discreet? <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah, I love that exchange and then also like a couple moments later where he's talking about his family and his wife and he's like, I'm very lucky and she's like, well, what are you doing here then? How long have you been married? Nine years. You have any kids? Mm-hmm. Got a six-year-old girl. Sounds good. So what are you doing here? That comes up more than once and I was like, yeah, what are you what are you doing there? Can't you understand? I have a whole relationship with someone else. I am very happy. Whole means complete. If your life's so damn complete, what were you doing with me? Right. Yeah. Good question, you know? It like, really is. <laughs> I feel like the movie just wants you to accept that, like, yeah, happily married men have affairs and 
that and we shouldn't hold it against them and it doesn't mean that they're not happily married or you know and it doesn't mean that they're not a good husband or father well the way that the affair kind of like kicks off it's almost like you know like he's fumbling outside on the street with his umbrella he's just like a hapless dude and she comes up to him and and then they end up running in the rain and she grabs his hand and it's like oh he's really being like sucked into this whatever is gonna happen yeah and she kind of comes on to him at that party where they meet for the first time he's at that party with his wife when he's at the bar or something i think she comes up to him and starts flirting with him and then he says immediately that he's married and then she kind of backs off but then like he's the one who asks her out to lunch yeah when he sees her again at work they're having like a saturday meeting or something that's why he can't go to the country with his family (laughs) And, like, she tries to convince him, but he, like, is very easily convinced, oh, so... He doesn't take care of the dog. That was, like, I know, no. I know. Like, his wife even has to get him to, like, take the dog out in another scene. The like, last thing she says to him before she leaves is, like, don't forget to walk the dog. And he's like, okay, I'll just leave the dog alone for 24 oh, hours. It's like, wow, he doesn't do anything It's also pretty at home. Home. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything at home, which is why, like, he has to mess up the bed so it looks like he's been there. Because it's like, oh, he would never it would never be believable that he made the bed. If the bed is made, then you know he didn't sleep there. That's pretty telling. Um, I like when she says, like, you thought you could just walk into my life and turn it upside down without a thought for anyone but yourself. You know, another thing is that you thought that you could just walk into my life and turn it upside down without a thought for anyone but yourself. Yes. And she also says, you've had your fun, and now you just want a quiet life. It's over. There is nothing between us. You mean you've had your fun, now you just want a quiet life. Which is so fucking true. Like, she calls it out so many times, and she's so right. And I really love the movie in those moments. And then... And also, like, I'm not going to be ignored. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I love that line. I just want to be a part of your life. Oh, this is the way you do it, huh? Showing up at my apartment! What am I supposed to do? You won't answer my calls, you change your number. I mean, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. Yeah, I really would love a very different version of this movie where it's all her point of view and and then the original ending, maybe, or even like... And also Beth leaves him. Yes, or something. Something different than what happened. I like... If you told me to fuck off, I'd have more respect for you. Yes! Look, Alex, I like you. And if I wasn't with somebody else, maybe I'd be with you. But I am. Please don't justify yourself as pathetic. If you tell me to fuck off, I'd have more respect for you. All right, then fuck off. And you get out! They're talking about Madame Butterfly, which I've never seen that. I know it's, like, problematic, but, like, there was a, um... Oh, it's Madame Butterfly, not Madame Butterfly. I'm sorry. Well, it's very uh, similar, though, isn't it? He's talking about seeing it with his dad. It's just, like, one of those stories where it's one of the only times my father was ever nice to me, comforting me about (laughs) Madame Butterfly. It's my favorite opera. Mine, too. It's the first opera I ever saw. My father, he took me to the old Met... I was five years old. Did it make any sense? Well, I got most of it. There was this U.S. sailor setting up house with this Japanese lady. In the final act, after he left her, my father told me she's going to kill herself. And I was terrified. I was, I climbed right underneath the chair. 
It's right here. That's one of the only times I remember my father being nice to me when I was a kid. Comforting me about a butterfly. I don't know why, that just stuck with me for some reason. Oh, right, and yeah. isn't that part of why they reference that so much is because the original ending is she kills herself. That's right. Like, really that's fucking that's ruin their movie. I know. Why right. did they do that? Great. <laughs> it is, like, have you ever been invited to a test audience? Because I haven't. Like, oh, I, I kind of would love to. <laughs> I would love that. When I was in Los Angeles, well, I like, briefly lived there after college, and I... Was at the shopping center and they were inviting people to see this movie. You had to fill out this long questionnaire at the end. It was Beyond Borders with Clive Owen and oh, yeah. Angelina mm -hmm. Jolie. It was just weird. I was just like data collecting reaction from a movie. It was just so foreign to me. Like the art and commerce thing. It's like right. people just want to see crazy shit, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, it really um, make, makes me think back to Mulholland Drive. The whole thing about Mulholland Drive, not the whole thing, but like a big part of it is the people with the money making these dumb decisions yeah, that compromise the art. Like right. That's a very real fucking thing. Not that this movie would have been art without, you know, but it would have been like a fuckload right. better. Right. I mean, it still was like somebody had a vision. Yeah. Know? A cohesive vision that was fucked with by people who weren't part of the creative process. Right. I also was thinking about Mahone Drive in regard to, you know, because there's like the Femme Fatale in Mahone Drive and the Femme Fatale here and how just very different that's shot. Even though they're both movies made by white men, it's like <laughs> David Lynch is somehow the only one who's able to make it not problematic. <laughs> Yeah, David Lynch, he likes women. Yeah, I think that's a big fucking part of it, is that he actually, like, respects women and thinks of them as whole people. This movie was definitely just such a two-dimensional... I don't know. You're either the whore or the Madonna. Right. Like, and you know what? Of... He never fucks his wife in the movie. Mm -hmm. like, and his wife is fucking hot. Yeah. <laughs> she is, like, the Madonna, because she had a baby. As far as we know, they've never fucked. Like, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> but she's so beautiful. You never even see her naked, though, really. You only see Alex naked. Oh, my God. Because she's, she's the whore. So, like, catering to him. Like, oh, you look stressed. Why don't I give you a bath and, like, a back rub or something? Right. And, like... I know. Like, it's like she's just, like, this ultimate wife or yeah person. she's his mother as well as right his, it's so gross yeah. <laughs> fuck this movie all we want is to be treated like human beings not to be experimented on like guinea pigs or patronized like bunny rabbits i do have a patronizing bunny rabbits about this movie oh, but no. it is not adrian line it is if y'all want to hate michael douglas more oh uh, he wasn't happy with Ellen's performance during that scene where he is having a fight with Beth about Alex. Ellen, like, wakes up and comes in and she's oh, holding yeah. this stuffed unicorn and she's like, stop fighting, blah, blah, blah. And apparently, Michael Douglas didn't think she was sad enough, so he whispered to her, look at this stupid unicorn, I'm gonna throw it in the garbage. Jesus. And then Jesus. she starts crying for real, like, her cry her tears in the movie, because he just said that to her. That's fucked And up. then he's like... I felt pretty guilty, but you've got to do what you've got to do. You don't. 
You did not have to do that, dude. Jesus fucking Christ. I said, hey, can you try to cry a little hard, little girl? Or just, like, think about... Yeah. But this kid in the movie is really sad. Yeah, think about how what time you were really sad. Like, something you would say to an adult about a scene. Like, you wouldn't... I mean, I guess he would if it were a woman. He'd be like, you stupid fucking bitch, I'm gonna kill you. Now cry. God, isn't that horrible? She was like five years old or something, like so little. Well, she's either five or six. Remember? He doesn't know how old she is. The mom says she's five. The mom says she's five, and I'm sure she is how old Beth says. I loved that detail too. I wrote that down. He doesn't know how old his daughter is. That is so telling. I think you're forgetting one of your favorite meaningful passages. Oh yes, no, I'm not forgetting about it. We just we're talking about other things. My very favorite meaningful passage. That I should we act it out? Yes. Do you want? Be, you be Dan. Okay. Did the plumber come? Did he ever? <laughs> what did the plumber do? Hi, honey. How you doing? The uh, the plumber come yet? Uh, oh, did he ever? Well, I don't really want to know about it. All right. It's a mess here now. <laughs> I think I might say that from now on anytime my husband asks me about a person coming to do work on the house. The scene where like Beth like, if you ever come near my family, I'll kill you. I was just like, why are you putting your wife on the phone to hey. do this? <laughs> Here, speak to my coward? wife. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, mean, I'm not married, but if I was married and my husband was like, can you talk to this lady? Why don't you speak to her? Why would I want to talk to her? Like, I think this is a YP, not a Right! I need you to talk to my mistress for me. She's acting crazy. <laughs> Please tell my mistress to fuck off. Right. She is not listening to me. I was just like, that is some big man baby energy. He was such yeah. a man baby. Oh, I always like it when like there's somebody on the other line and the person just stays on and is like Hello. 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 Yeah, so I was like, hello, hello. <laughs> like, you like, can tell they hung up. Hello, and it's like, hello. But yeah, remember, like, where you couldn't block people? Like, yeah. you just had to change your number. Or right? take it off the hook, the phone off the hook. Yeah. yeah. No one can call you, though, yeah. Yeah. I had to change my number one time. Oh, you did? Like, this guy that I went on a date with, like, I was, like, 24, and he was 38. Ew. And he, um. Ew to him, not you. Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I barely knew him, but he was divorced. Newly divorced or something? I forget. He was like, I want you in my life. Like, he was, like, talking these future statements about how I'll be involved in his life. That was my one, like, stalkery moment I had. Like, I ended up having to change my number. I didn't know how to block numbers. I don't know if I could do that back then. You'd have to call somebody. I think you'd have to call the phone company or the operator yeah. or somebody. You could do it, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't like, push a button and it's done. Like right. it is now, which is so nice. That was just made me remember that. Oh, I like her the way that she... <laughs> gets the number back though yeah she seems really interested yeah. in subletting her play or whatever is like buying the apartment because they're girl. moving to the, the suburbs to the country oh, right. 
Upstate New York? I mean, what is yeah. that far upstate? Because he's still going to work in the city. Right. And she's like, well, we might get Ellen a rabbit. And he's like, oh, it's like Noah's Ark in here. Yes. Like, they literally just have a dog. <laughs> they have a dog. That's not Noah's Ark. <laughs> and you know what? Dog. Don't worry about it because I'm sure you're not going to have to do shit for that right. rabbit. <laughs> Beth will take care of everything. Uh, Ellen... That kid, I think I'm probably like four or five years older than her. She's got the fruit roll-up. Yes, like, she's wrapping she her. She it around her finger, mm -hmm. and it's like, whoa. I, I remember doing that. It's like a weird, like, flashback. And then, like, it's, it's funny how he's in the kitchen and, like, putting a tea on the kettle or whatever, mm -hmm. and, like, he has a fruit... I don't know. He's, like... He gets a fruit roll-up. <laughs> he roll rips a fruit roll-up in half. Like, I can only have half a fruit. I don't yeah. need all this sugar. But, like, the, <laughs> I just remembered that so much. Oh, my God, like, me too. Yeah. Oh. And then you bite your finger. You're like, look at my weird finger. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, like... That's just how you eat them. That's how you exactly. have to eat them. Another thing I liked that the cop said was, you can't go around arresting people for something she might do. Yeah. I really love that right. one. This woman is completely irrational. There's no telling what she could do. You can't go around arresting people for what they might do. You know that. I can't believe I like the cop so much in this movie. <laughs> He's a very reasonable man. What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. Fun facts. More than 20 directors passed on directing this wow. movie. I find that fact pretty fun. That's interesting. Do you have any specific people that passed on it? No. That was just from IMDb, so it could be also incorrect. Oh, I guess this isn't very fun, but the fact that Glenn Close says that men keep coming up to her and saying that she saved their marriage. What? It's gross. Like, that's like the number one thing that people say to her about that movie, or at least they did at the time she was interviewed for that. But, like, how? Yeah, how does that work? <laughs> what does that mean? You saved my marriage. Yeah, like, uh, okay. <laughs> I don't really get it. I was gonna have an affair, but now I'm too so. scared. Yeah, I guess that's what that means. Ugh, ew. Scared into being uh, faithful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would totally fuck that woman from work, but what if she wants to see me again? What will I do then? I guess I'd have to murder her, and I don't want to do that, so I just won't. Okay, so I have a couple people that were. Okay. John Carpenter and Brian De Palma. Oh, wow. Um, Brian De Palma passed on this. That is so That's, fucking telling. Let's see. They this movie was... Backed out. They feared it was too similar to Play Misty for me. Mm. Oh, this is good. De Palma also felt that Michael Douglas was not a good leading man. Oh, oh correct. Wow, very interesting. And then Carpenter also turned it down because he felt the audience would not accept the originally scripted downbeat ending. So <laughs> he was right about that. Yeah. John Borman was also offered the director's job. I don't know who that is. Turned it down to do Hope and Glory. Ew. And I, don't, I don't know who this guy is. Oh, Deliverance. All right, well, lunchtime poll. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. The lunchtime poll question is, talk about an ex who acted like you were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> think about that. Let me go second. Okay. Or not first, whatever. I can go first. I've definitely had, like, a number of exes just act like I was being very unreasonable. But one in particular, like, this boyfriend I had in college that was, like, my first kind of long-term boyfriend, really, was always acting like I was so needy. But he was the one who called me all the time 
And if I called him ever, he would be like, God, I'm busy. We don't have to see each other every day. But like mostly he'd call me and then he'd be like, I'm going to this party this weekend. You're not invited. It's just for whatever theater people. And I'd be like, okay, well, I'll do something else. And he'd be like, God, you sound like you're going to be sad now. Like he would always just be like accusing me of being very needy and controlling when I would literally do everything I could to be cool and chill about everything. Yeah. And then I found out after we broke up that like whenever he'd go to these parties without me, he'd just like fuck someone else. Ew. So like that was why he was like, you don't have to be everywhere with me all the time. It's like he wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise. But he was always, like I have letters from him still where he'd be like, I just feel like we need to take some time apart because I just can't be what you want me to be. I can't like live up to your expectations. And I'd be like, dude, I just want to hang out and have sex. Like what are you talking about? Like what expectations? <laughs> And that was fun. That was I definitely did not see that shit clearly until after the fact. I've definitely <laughs> dated people who always talk about their ex-girlfriend like she was crazy or something. And yeah. it was just like, that became such a red flag for me. Like, what are you talking about, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I've definitely had dating somebody that is like, you're just too sensitive. Like, yes. I've gotten that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, I am a sensitive person, but... Why are you so insensitive? You know, right. Like that's, that's definitely one that I've gotten a lot. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I have someone that like really acted like I was crazy, but a thing that this made me think of is this is more like mansplaining than anything, but the really awful guy I dated very briefly, like I was really young. The guy was nineteen and he was thirty two, the guy that didn't let me leave oh. his place that time. Yeah. Like one time like this is just how much sometimes a man thinks he knows something is that like one time we were having sex and he like bought these different kind of condoms that were kind of weird i think they were called like rough riders and it wasn't yeah. weird but it was textured in some way there was nothing wrong with it you know but then after he said something like oh like you're supposed to be able to feel that and i was like yeah i could like i could definitely feel that yeah it was different and he was like no you can't <laughs> Like, oh my that just god, decorative. that's so weird. It was so weird. Also, I mean, when I think about it, I'm like, that was like a barely used vagina, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 19 years old. <laughs> oh my god. He's like, I have a vagina and I, I know, know that you cannot like, feel it. <laughs> like, why did you even ask? Too? I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, guys are so weird. How very. Well, that's a fun one. Greetings and salutations. I wanted to shout out to Connecticut this week because oh. that's where Glenn Close is from. Hello, Connecticut. <laughs> Did you watch Damages? No. Glenn Close is so good at that. Rose Byrne is like a young lawyer who joins Glenn Close's firm and like there's a lot of crazy corruption. Glenn Close is this like power suit like flawless i really like that character a lot rose byrne is new to like being a lawyer and kind of like finding out how dirty this firm is and like Mm -hmm. how corrupt everything is yeah it's like an anti-hero thing that stars going close but i just really like it that sounds (laughs) kind of fun yeah she's a good villain but like a badass villain i don't know yeah (laughs) she's flawless like her outfits and i don't know i just like it (laughs) <laughs> yeah. 
she is a good villain, Glenn Close in general. Like, I mean, she's a great Cruella de Vil, right? But she's just not a villain in this movie. I will not believe that right. Alex is a villain. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Y'all know anybody in Connecticut? I don't think I know anyone that lives there now. Mm. No. My mom was born there in Hartford. Oh. And grew up there, kind of. My cousin Vicky went to Yukon, and she's obsessed with Yukon women's sports. They have a great basketball team. I think Sue Bird went there. Ooh. A lot of, a lot of really good basketball players. Nice. I had a friend who went to college there. I mean, I know lots of people went to college there, but like Fairfield or something. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, she was there at the same time John Mayer was there. Oh. He was like the most annoying person. Oh. <laughs> that track. He was going to be the next Dave Matthews. Oh my god, he totally was. Right, but then, then like, after he got famous, like, she read an interview with him where he was, like, complaining about people comparing him to Dave Matthews. <laughs> that's exactly what you wanted, John Mayer. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I love that kind of insider <laughs> shit. Right. And Mystic Pizza, I guess. It's Connecticut. Mystic, oh, yeah, Connecticut. Yeah. yeah. supposed to be good pizza. Oh, oh it really is. is. I guess. I don't know, I used to stop in there, like, when I lived in Boston, we would like go down to New York like once a month or so and just stop in New Haven on the way home. It's cute. New Haven's a nice town. Martha Stewart, she lives there, I think, right? I guess she has houses, I feel like, all over New England. Like, she's got a Martha's Vineyard place. She, like, has a place on an island in the San Juans. She does? Yeah. I didn't know that. I think nobody knows or she hasn't said which island it is or whatever. But like it's one of the ones where you have to take a boat to it, like a special boat. There's not a ferry. Right, exactly. On the next episode of Paid in Puke, we're heading into the shimmer with Alex Garland's 2018 existential sci-fi horror film, Annihilation, starring Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Tessa Thompson, Gina Rodriguez, and Tuva Navani. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.